This is the Instant Speed Podcast, episode number 46. Our guests today are all three members of Team Dragon Shield. That would be Tarek Patel, Matt Rogers, and Nick Butcher. And of course, the Instant Speed Podcast is brought to you by Kayfabe Cards. Kayfabe Cards is the place to go for flesh and blood, but also all your other trading card needs. Get all the tools you need to navigate the world of Wraith shipped straight to your door go to kfabecards.com that's www.kayfabecards.com yes our guests are tark patel matt rogers and nick butcher but before that we got the facts and uh, we're going to start off with the fact that hey the calling singapore is in the books and the winner was jason zhang on dash running that aggro dash in the talishar Wonderful, wonderful weapon. Don't have one. Need one. We'll get one. But Dash wins the calling in Singapore, and that top eight featured four briars. So how does this impact uh, the Pro Tour in France? We're going to discuss that with our guests today. Uh, and the Pro Tour, Lil, is happening this weekend, starting on Friday. So much going on. Lots of people are going to be there. It is the place to be for flesh and blood. So make sure that you are tuned in to various channels and, and other media entities who are going to be broadcasting this you can check out fabtcg uh, fabtcg.com or at fabtcg on twitter and they will keep you updated as to where you can consume all this great stuff september armory kits have been announced and they are beautiful the cold foil waning moon for all those who want to complete their cold foil weapon collection uh, great stuff coming from the armory kit the, for the month of September. The Fall Brawl in Columbus uh, in October 22nd to 23rd, if I'm not mistaken. There's a, a great, great tournament that's going to be happening there, and I'm hearing rumblings that it is going to be a big deal. So you definitely want to be there. 10K on the line for this tournament. Lots of side events, cosplay contests, and also the Speakeasy, which is an all-you-can-draft a uh, bar scene VIP kind of situation and I've got a ticket to give away. It's a $100 ticket to get to, to the speakeasy and I've got one to give away. All you got to do is create a card like this one. Hopefully my producer did this correctly. Bing! Right there. If you can make a card like this one, a flake hero and tweet it out at me and you're going to be in Columbus, we'll hook you up. Finally, thank you so much to our patrons. Again, I say this all the time, but it truly does mean the world to me. The support that you guys show me really helps with uh, just the miles and miles and miles uh, that I have come is on your uh, on your generosity, on your support. So thank you to our patrons. You can go to patreon.com slash instantspeedpod. For as little as a dollar a month, you can give me a pat on the back that says, I like what you do. So cheers to you guys. All right, we have Tarek Patel, Matt Rogers, and Nick Butcher on the show. We're talking Pro Tour Lil. This is the Instant Speed Podcast, welcoming three members of Team Dragon Shield, returning with more hot takes as the U.S. National Champion. That would be Tarek Patel, alongside former, I guess, world number one, Matt Rogers. Yeah, you can... Uh... <laughs> I mean, it's, we, we deal with the truth here. That's our currency, as well as Nick Butcher, uh, all of whom are entrenched in Lil preparing for this weekend's Pro Tour. Welcome back to ISP. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. I feel good. Uh, I've been in Europe for a couple of weeks now, so finally getting used to the time zone change. Uh, wasn't easy, but uh, yeah, feeling good and enjoying Europe. Yeah, man, I, I, yeah, uh, 
went over to Singapore for the for the calling before and you know just got in here so sort of still adjusting to all the time zones but we did a bunch of drafts today I talked to Tarek a bunch of stuff last night like I think we're in a really good spot that's good and Nick you still you just as confident as the other two yeah <laughs> just slide it in there all right well uh arriving in france early is i guess part of the deal here i'm just curious when did you guys arrive and what have you been up to up to now i suppose and just leading up to i suppose friday when when things kick off so i think i arrived the earliest uh i originally flew into amsterdam uh over in the netherlands about a week and a bit ago uh, since then, we've been kind of traveling down through Europe, uh, we being my girlfriend and I, uh, Amanda. So we started in the Netherlands, ended up in Belgium, and we just got to Lille, actually, this Sunday night. Uh, and we've been at our Airbnb since. And the rest of you, I suppose, I mean, Matt and Nick, uh, you were both in Singapore as recently as a couple of days ago. So you guys just kind of uh, have, you guys have the competitive juices still flowing. You've you've had <laughs> uh, one hell of a primer. Uh, and we're going to get to Singapore shortly. But I just wanted to kick in real quick here because um, last week we we had a discussion about Blitz at Worlds. And I know that the, we're, we're leading up the Pro Tour here, but I just want to get a quick take because I know, Tarek, you had an opinion as well as, uh, you know, I, I'm curious about Matt and Nick as well. What are your thoughts about Blitz uh, at Worlds? Uh, does it have a place? Is it a competitive scene? Where? What are your, your thoughts about Blitz at Worlds? Um. So... I have mixed feelings on it. At the end of the day, though, I'm not LSS, and I like to kind of focus as, on the game as a player more than as a you know developer. So uh, whether they say I have to play you know a random three card draft format or blitz, I will play it either way. Um, for me personally, if you're asking my personal opinion, it is not my favorite format. I think there is a higher level of variance in the format compared to some of the other. Uh, formats in this game right now, like Classic Constructed or Booster Draft. Um, and I think it's a bit of a fallacy to kind of point at players that consistently do well uh, and say, look, this format is actually low variance, when in, in actuality, uh, if you pair up, you know, multiple people that are doing well in the format, there is going to have to be a loser. Um, so, you know, it's not my favorite format. It wouldn't be my first choice for a pick for a format, but uh, I'm not completely unhappy with it, and I'm going to play regardless, so... It is what it is. And how about yourself, Matt? Yeah, you really, really did one on ours. Before before this interview, we were like, all right, if we get the Blitz World question, Tarek, you're taking it, right? <laughs> and you're like, hey, I'm going to ask this to each of you. Make sure you get all three opinions there, right? <laughs> I got to get you on there, buddy. I mean, I know that you're, you, you've you got hot takes and such as well, but uh, I mean, you can easily dodge this one and we can just move on. No, no, no. no that's fine. I think, I, I like, personally, um, I think I'm pretty similar to, uh, uh, camp to Tarek. Blitz isn't my favorite format. In fact, I've barely ever played Blitz. Um, I played a Blitz calling and like maybe a couple of other events and that's it. Um, so, you know, personally, obviously, I'm going to prefer a format that 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 I uh, that I'm more versed in. But you know, I, I think there is there is a lot of feels bad that come with Blitz. You know, if you're if you're playing a World Championship and you're you know ten plus rounds into the event um, and you've been growing, you're doing really well, and you're in a good spot for top eight, and then you die on turn two, like, and that happens a couple of times in the last couple of rounds playing for top eight, like that's going to feel pretty crap. Um, so personally, I would have avoided the format uh, just because of those feels bads. Um, but yeah, uh, end of the day, 
you know, they, they pick the formats, they put them out there, I'll I'll, uh, I'll get them there and, and, and test for it and, and give myself the best chance I can and just go for it. No, you got no choice, right? It's there. It's got to yeah. be it's got to be done. But uh, I hear what you're saying. And again, a lot of the sentiment is just that it's people's people just don't like the format. It's not that they're perhaps, you know, dumping on it because it's it's a low skill vary uh, you know a low skill format yeah there's there's a higher level degree of uh, variance to it as well but ultimately it's just a reality you gotta you gotta you know buckle down nick are you prepared for blitz is it something that you're adept at or you're you're happy with that it's going to be at worlds yeah blitz is fucking mad you guys are crazy <laughs> <laughs> people, are here talking, people here talking about oh blitz is all variants they haven't played uprising draft uprising draft is trash <laughs> whatever man like blitz is sick I'm yeah down. we should have had you yeah, on think... last episode i don't know why i wasted my time with people like logan and, and, and zach you, you got you came with the heat buddy i like this <laughs> Yeah, Nick always comes with the. I think I think Nick only dropped like one game last Blitz calling, right? So Blitz Blitz kind of almost is one of your formats. <laughs> it's all right. Well, there you it's go, right. and it's well positioned as like the last five of a, of the actual tournament in, in Swiss. So you can actually kind of cruise through and secure things if you're good at Blitz. But uh, the last slap, snapshot that I want to talk about is actually it's 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 the calling Singapore, which two of you were at uh, Tarek, you weren't there, but ultimately. Post uprising, Singapore was the first major, you know, litmus test about what the meta is going to sort of turn into. There was everybody had their local armories or or their testing groups or whatnot, but this is the first time on a big stage with big stakes that people are coming to the table with decks that I don't want to say matter, but are tested, you know, tried, tested, true. Um, what is your opinions? And and this one is actually uh, leading into the the topic of Singapore. Uh, Colin at Reinar Mains uh, says, you know, seven of the 16 top eight spots, be it uh, from Battle Hardened and the Calling, were Briars. Uh, four of the, half of them for the Calling itself were Briars. Did this catch you off guard, uh, the top eight and what was what it was populated by? You know, no Guardians that were there. No Prism was in the top eight. Four, uh, four Prism, uh, sorry, four Briars, five Rune Blades total. Is this something that you anticipated? This catch you off guard a little bit? Um, not really. And I kind of talked about it a little bit on Twitter and in, in the article I just wrote on, on Channel Fireball. Um, if you kind of looked at the week before and kind of the battle hard in Portland, you know, Prism was a little bit more overrepresented than what you thought it, it could be. So naturally going week to week, it, it's natural for an aggro deck to kind of bolster the metagame if Prism and these slower kind of grindy decks are present and around. So the fact that it's aggro decks kind of taking over this week, I wouldn't even be surprised next week if we see an uptick in Guardian. So maybe Prism will be the place to be uh, next week. I know Yonji, uh, I apologize if I mispronounced his name, but I think he was he even went on Twitter when somebody was saying, you know, Prism's horrible right now. He said, you know, I actually think I'm going to be playing Prism next week or it's one of my top decks I'm looking at. So it's kind of like a circular kind of yeah. thing where I don't think it's surprising that, you know, aggro decks were the deck to be at in Singapore. Uh with regards to your question about specifically Briar, um, I look at that as just kind of a, a variance thing. If you actually look at the top tables that people were posting all throughout the weekend on what was around the top tables, there was a pretty even split among like Viscerai decks, Briar decks as the two aggro decks. And to me, it's just a kind of a statistical anomaly that all the Briar decks kind of ended up in top eight and all the Viscerai decks fell short. Because at the end of the day, you know, is there a huge difference between somebody that goes X2 and X3? You know, we don't know the situation of their wins or losses. 
So I'm not going to draw too much from from that one statistic alone. Yeah, one thing about Singapore is that actually there's actually quite a few people that were XO constructed with Dromai, but just yeah, just yeah, in multiple draft, people, right? In XO, there's one X3 in draft, and then yeah, in top, so they didn't get talked about much. That's fascinating to me. And again, uh, I mentioned I wrote an article for Fab TCG, and I mentioned you know one of the biggest parts of those major tournaments, uh, especially like if leading up to Pro Tour, is that draft is going to expose a lot of people and you can just absolutely crush it in classic constructive if you go into draft without any reps without not knowing what the hell to do and just drafting the best cards that you think are going to work out you might actually get completely gooned and if what you're saying is true which i you know that's the case is the the fact that some people went 6-0 and then absolutely just sputtered out and fell off the table uh that's very telling to me but as well there were some uh, I think there were some seven and O's or some perfect records with a five that went through day one as well. I mean, the, so ultimately, I think what what I was most surprised about wasn't that Dash won the whole thing. It was that I thought that Phi would be the nucleus where everything else was essentially built around. It was the focal point where everybody was had it on their radar where they wouldn't beat it. They wouldn't bring a deck that couldn't beat Phi. It's either you bring Phi or you beat you bring a deck that beats Phi. Um, what was your impression of Phi at that tournament? Because I really, truly believe that it still is uh, a very, you know, it's it's a, it has a high ceiling. It can really bust out a lot of damage. Um, it, it's not as uh, fragile, let's say, as, you know, Katsu combo lines. It's a little easier to, to piece together. However, it it the one Phi that was there, I think, maybe rattled a few people out there in the community who thought that it really was the deck to beat. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, specifically the guy that went uh, undefeated, his fire list was very, very different. He caught a lot of people off guard because they just didn't understand what his deck was trying to do. I think he was playing like nine even bigger than that. Um, uh, it yeah. was, uh, yeah, it, it, it was a crazy list with all these on hits and like Fi doesn't usually play a massive amount of on hits. They're more of like a, a heavy damage deck, right? Um, so like he was, yeah, kind of like wolf in sheep's clothing, right? Like he was trying to pretend he was something else and, you know, playing Kadachis and stuff when he was thing. And that's, that caught a lot of people off guard uh, uh, specifically in day one. But yeah, I mean, Fire is just a very consistent aggro deck. So I was expecting there to be quite a lot. Um, it was interesting that uh, by the end of day two, there wasn't a huge amount in the top tables. Um, so uh, yeah, I, it's yeah kind of hard to know. But I think ultimately Fi is still a very strong contender. It's a very good deck. It is a real uh, consistent aggro deck and you do need to have a plan with it. I think exactly what you're saying when you were going into this event, you needed to have a plan to, against Fi. You're, you're, like, you couldn't just play a deck where you're like, well, Fi is the matchup I'm going to give up because there's still going to be plenty of it and it's still going to um, rise to the top. And I think that's still the case even now. Nick, did you have any um, thoughts regarding what that top eight kind of shaped up to be versus what you may have anticipated it to be? Were you caught off guard, perhaps, by uh, not just the the five player, which, Matt, you said, I looked at that deck list. I, I, it was it was just completely foreign to me. I was like, this is yeah. not anything that I've ever seen in terms of, you know, nine is bigger them. than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You look through the, like you look through the, the yellow, you know, the, the deck list and in the yellows and you're like, okay, there's some yellows in here. Where's the, where are the art of wars? There's no art of wars. It's just even bigger than that. So it was quite odd, but uh, Nick for yourself, what was the most fascinating matchup that you had? And what did your, what was your impression of the top eight versus what you expected it to be? 
Uh, it's actually what I expected it to be, which is why I played Oldham, but I just got paired versus Prism, so it is what it is. <laughs> uh, what's my most best game? I don't remember what my best game most was. Most fascinating game, maybe the oh, yeah. one? Yeah. Eh, it was kind of it was kind of like a ruling kind of sour. Yeah, I got okay. Fi, and then because and against Fi with uh, Oldham, I play Coronet Peak, so on my turn, I'll Coronet Peak, force a card, then Ice React, force a card, and then Eventually, I'll draw like disruption cards because Olden plays a bit of chaff blues, and so and they can't really function on two card hands. So that's and I just crushed him. But yeah, it's just, <laughs> I wish I played against the Zagro decks. To be honest, like I only lost the prison. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, that that's kind of come to be expected. But uh, ultimately, um, overall, no guardians, no prism in the top eight. Is that a bad sign, or is that merely just um, you know a, a flash in the pan when it comes to uh, one particular tournament, one particular meta? Will that shift? Do you anticipate guardian to have a resurgence for prism to have another uh, another kick at the can at living legend at this tournament, and uh, beyond that? Um, I, I also want to ask you, is Dromai the successor to Prism uh, in terms of kind of keeping control uh, in check? What do you guys think about that? Um, it's to be just, to be seen, I guess. I haven't <laughs> played or tested Dromai uh, quite a lot in Classic Constructed. I, I was very high on it at the, at the beginning part of the season, uh, but it, it quickly showed some very key flaws in it. One, you know, the dragons themselves being very susceptible to on-hit triggers meant uh, the aggro decks ate it alive even harder than they ate uh, Prism. And two, it had a really bad Prism matchup in of itself yeah. uh, because of the way Spectre Shields lined up with your, um, whatever the dragonlings are called. Ashwings. Um, Ashwings, Ash <laughs> yeah, excuse me. So, um, you know, that enough was uh, enough for me to kind of put the deck aside but, you know, once Prism rotates and one of its bad matchups kind of leaves the format, I could definitely see a place for Dromai going forward. And I actually didn't know that, that Dromai did so well uh, in Singapore, so that'll be something I pick their brains off about uh, off-camera later. But, um, yeah, it sounds like it could be a real deck, but for now, in an open metagame, I think it has one too many holes for me uh, to, to think about it as a serious contender. No, is Guardian poised for a resurgence in France? Because, I mean, Singapore, like we mentioned, it's it's the impact of Singapore is not just seeing what the meta is. It's how everyone's going to adjust in this week. And um, my impression is that, I mean, you you showed up in France. You were you were on the plane well before Singapore even happened and i don't know what you can possibly bring with you in terms of actually adjusting or even if that's the case but how early on a are you locked into your decks and b seeing something like singapore do you think players have enough time to pivot or change or adjust or is that just going to be detrimental like at what point does preparing for france this how, at what point does singapore impact your preparation for france uh, Matt, do you want to take that, and then I'll jump in after. Yeah, sure. I mean, <clears throat> I think for us specifically, it meant that we we we're probably testing Briar a little bit more than we were. Um, that probably hits up at the higher peg uh, uh, now. I think that you know the deck 
the deck probably just deserves a little bit more respect than maybe we were giving it beforehand. Um, we kind of picked Viserai as like the premium Runeblade deck, and now I think it's pretty even between Viserai and Briar for our testing. I think that's the only... Uh, our dash, dash definitely changes some things. Uh, the fact that dash won, uh, won the tournament means that that's part of our testing as well. Um, uh, but other than that, I think it was mostly as expected. Yeah, and just to elaborate on that, I don't think... You know, the metagame kind of changed too much. You know, no. we talked about it before a little bit about when you looked at the top tables and took a larger view of, you know, the forest from just the trees themselves, it looked to be exactly what you kind of expected. Um, and just the fact that, you know, aggro one might mean that Guardian uh, is slightly more represented than it may have been if this tournament never existed. But overall, uh, when when we prepare for you know bigger tournaments, we're preparing for every deck, and there is always going to be an aggro deck. There is always going to be a guardian deck, and there is always going to be a prison deck prevalent in that format. Now, whether those ratios change, you know, is is may change one or two cards in our sideboard, what we kind of hedge against. But overall, I think our game plans are going to be roughly the same as they were pre Singapore. So it's not like I was panic messaging mapping like. Grab me this, grab me that at a vendor, but uh, I think it's like, oh, this is interesting. You know, how do we adjust what we're looking at to fit what we what we've just seen? So for you, Nick, let's say you're you're preparing for a tournament like this, like on the scale of a pro tour. At what point are you just adjusting things like sideboards or matchup testing versus actually switching the deck entirely or switching heroes entirely? At what point does something like this just become an extra hurdle versus an entire change of 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 your philosophy or your approach to to the tournament itself? Are you are you the type that just kind of locks in as well? Like and and how how far ahead do you allow yourself uh or do you lock in a deck and how how close up to a tournament do you particularly allow yourself the the sort of the latitude to shift one way or another or can you adjust on the fly like that mm, I don't know if I can say I've looked my deck yet. Yeah, that's all right. Just, just, it, well, the, we so for really the record, this is this is going to be published on Thursday. So if yeah. anybody's listening yeah. to this no, on I'm Thursday, just, it's probably yeah. to your advantage that they start second guessing themselves the day before the yeah, tournament. Last minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is this is published on Thursday. Currently, we're recording on uh, Tuesday, the twenty third. So um, you've got you guys got two two days of sort of um, of mystery before this publishes. So Nick, you can spill all the beans if you want. Yeah, you probably don't want to say the exact deck you're playing, but things uh, like yeah. that you locked in a month ago or whatever, I think uh, is fine. Yeah, I've been locked into the same deck for a while. I think a lot of people aren't going to change decks at Audible that hard from what happened in Singapore. Like, people expected Briar, Dash is another aggro deck, well, that guy's list was, you know. Like, it's just very standard stuff, and I don't think people are going to deviate from their deck choice. If they had two choices, they'd probably pick the one that they think has a better position, but the people that are already saying, oh... I was going to play Bri before, I was going to play Viserai before, I'm going to change decks. So now that we're moving into France, again, the Singapore's uh, well in the past. Uprising has had a, a month and a half or so to sort of gestate and, and live in people's minds and really uh, drafting is is what many people have done. We've practiced, you and I, Tarek, I've been to your place, we've practiced, you've practiced a hell of a lot. Everybody's been practicing. A lot of the armories are draft, the RTNs are draft. Draft is such an important element. And I know a lot of people are not very fond of Uprising draft because it's this three hero, this three horse race where it seems to me that uh, the initial, you know, approach to it, the initial, you know, uh, book of how to draft Uprising 
was has been has shifted a lot early on, but now it seems that a lot of people are saying that if you just force Fi, like you're in a probably in a better position than having being one of two Icelander or one of two Dromais at the table. If you just force the aggression, you're probably ahead of an average or above average Icelander or or Dromai. What to you is the you know is the 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 strategy going into draft um, and and is the whole force fi and you'll be okay a valid argument in this format so that, that's a really interesting question i think we need to take a little, like two steps back to maybe dissect a little bit and then i can answer the question i actually think uprising is an amazingly well designed set if you know in in a vacuum okay if you take any given good deck of phi icelander or dromai and pair against each other there is an even chance that either player could come up victorious if their decks are on the same power level. Where it falls a little bit short in practice is that the packs are probably, you know, two to three or three to four cards short um, in the set itself. So it's not like it was previously with Tales of Aria where there was a clear tier list of heroes that were, like, just better than the other. Like, towards the end, especially after the errata to Briar, you know, Oldham was just, like, like tier zero you can probably just force it and, and always win and it's not like that in uh in uprising you know any good hero can beat any other medium hero um so if they if there was three more cards per pack or whatever i think this would probably be one of the the best draft sets of all time uh i myself you know i don't force anything i like to still you know people ask me that when when we were drafting uprising you know what's your strategy and and to be honest i still don't have one i like to simply read what cards are coming to me and then if there's a clear signal, I'll take it and and go. Because I really do believe any good hero drafted will still beat any medium deck of another hero. So for me, it's not about just forcing one hero. I still like to try and read a signal where possible, even if it means I have to play like two or three, you know, lower tier cards, as long as they're pitchable, that, that's usually fine in my book. Somewhere out there, Dave Rude is just shaking his fist at you and saying, "No, just <laughs> <I know. laughs> absolutely, just he's he's in his Tesla, shaking his fist at the cloud and saying, Force fi, damn you!'" Uh, how about you, Nick? Uh, in terms of draft strategy, and how do you feel about Uprising draft as a format in general? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, it is. I don't care. <laughs> uh, like, no, I, honesty is the best policy over here. Uh, a few more. Yeah, I think, yeah, you've definitely broken the swear record on the podcast. That's definitely <laughs> up there. So, congrat- <laughs> congratulations to you. It's all good. We're we're all adults here. It's it's all good. But so you don't like the format, but much like the conversation we had about Blitz at Worlds, a lot of people don't like it, but it's a reality. And preparing for it, you know, it's just like eat your damn vegetables. Eat, they're there, and it's you have to you oh, have to hey, do it. So. <laughs> are you are you approaching draft as a, a situation of well i'm just going to position myself well uh, and get a perfect cc record where i can go one and two or two and one in draft and still have a chance i mean that's the best strategy i think that's why people like to force fire like they'll just get a decent two one maybe one two in another one and eight oh constructed if they have like the nuts deck but i don't know it i just have so much crap in it like read the ripples is a crack bobble a lot of the yellows are just not good that's why people force fight because at least if you get a yellow yeah, Ronin the renegade good... <laughs> that's still a good enough kind of card whereas i look at yellows rise and i was like oh yellow cold snap wow i'm gonna I'm, I'm cheering right now this is great it's just not it's just not happening and then yeah oh, matt, i don't know I just... matt voice of reason 
Come in here, Mr. I, Enthusiasm. I, Save this one. I can't, I can't do it for you, Flake. Um, I think, <laughs> Try. Yeah, I mean, I don't. The, this draft format, I think Tarek hit it pretty pretty nail on the head there. It's a few cards short, uh, which means that you do need to commit a few cards earlier than you would some other sets. You are, you're not able to really play a table uh, very well. You're not able to kind of understand and strategize and position yourself and draft like, like you like you are in that, for example. Um, so, yeah, I, I just don't think they quite got the draft format right. And I think uh, it's exactly what Nick was touching on in terms of fires. Like, all of the fire yellows are playable. None of the yellows from the other two classes are playable. So, so like it's very easy to have a medium fire deck you can just force fire and you'll always have a have a medium deck unless there's like five plus people on the table also doing that um which is extremely unlikely uh that you know so i think if you don't want to oh three that is a realistic strategy uh and i think you know 50 percent of the time you're going to two one or better so uh yeah i uh, I'm, I'm not a fan <laughs> All right, last up uh, regarding the Pro Tour here is uh, there was a draft that occurred um, amidst some of the content creators. Uh, first overall pick was Dalen Mack, selected by yeah. Dalen Mack. Mack. <laughs> the <laughs> ultimate flex, honestly. And uh, it was just funny because he got the first overall pick, which I had second overall pick. And when he chose Dalen Mack, I just said, okay, so I have the overall pick. Like, thank you for that. It's just an absolute freebie. I took Isaac Crute. Amidst you three, amidst Team Dragon Shield, uh, Tarek went earliest amidst all three of you. Matt Rogers yep. went right before I got to select him on the wheel back because uh, it was a snake trap. Oh, you didn't get to table me? I, you literally, I was like, how is nobody taking Matt Rogers? Because Tarek went in uh, early in round two. Matt Rogers went, uh, I think you you were something like uh, 14th overall or something like that. And I had the 15th pick, and I was just so upset that they, you went. I, I, I took uh, my Polish buddy, Masia Yannick. But uh, Nick Butcher, not on the, uh, the draft board. Nick, how does this influence you in terms of motivating you? Does this just light a fire under your ass now? Who were the people picking? <laughs> well, there was, Dale, there was myself, Dale and Mac, uh, Tommy Fresh. There's a whole bunch of people that you can get mad at. I'll send you the list. Absolutely. I'll sell well, them all out. A bunch of nobodies. Wow. I can't believe I wasn't picked. I can't believe their opinion means so much. I could not care less about their opinion. He's thrilled. Nick's very passionate. Yeah. I know. I was going to say, Nick, Nick is yeah. just gunning for that heel, heel category for the post-game interview. And he's like, I told you all. All of you nobodies <laughs> just told you all. I love it. I love it. Absolutely. All right. Before we just wrap this, uh, the part about Pro Tour here, I just want to hear, I want from each of you, um, a hero you believe is going to surprise and a hero you believe is going to drastically underperform. Um, surprise. Give me a second. I think. Yeah. If anybody wants to jump in first, if you got the answers it, by all means, maybe draw my, cause it, it surprised me. That was my answer. You. <laughs> yes, you know, I, I didn't even know it did that one class constructed. So we'll have to have a discussion on about that. Uh, after, uh, disappoint, um, Probably old him, I would have to say, just for the same reason that Nick did so poorly in Classic Constructed in Singapore. If there's no matter what you think about the metagame, there's still probably going to be, you know, a third of the metagame is going to be Prism, or you know, there's always going to be a high amount of Prism no matter what you do. And 
you know, having that high of a percentage of bad matchups in the field just doesn't bode well for the deck. So uh, I would say Oldham is going to be disappointed. Uh, Matt, you, you said Dromai <laughs> right off the bat. You can stick with it. You can pivot to something else as the surprise. But, all right, I'll pivot. I'll pivot. I'll pivot. This is, you know, this is an uprising draft. We're right. Um, I think I think Icelander. I think Icelander's got some legs to it, and I think people aren't expecting it, and it's going to have kind of similar to the dash effect of the of the calling, where people just won't understand how to play against it. Um, you know, Icelander won the battle hardened at Singapore. Um, uh, yeah, it was like over 200 people or something, and Icelander won it, won the whole event. So, CC event. So, hey, um, yeah, I think Icelander is going to catch some people off guard and overperform. Uh, and uh, I'd like to say that my my nemesis, I think Prism, is going to underperform. I think Prism sucks. <laughs> 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 I uh, I think I think people, you know, people are going to bring some Prisms and they're going to get smashed by some Briars and um, and Viscerize and and Fies and just about every other deck uh and it's just just not gonna quite have a good time i mean i'll probably be proven wrong i have been many other times there's been times where i've said to Tarek, i just don't think prism's very good in the starvo format anymore and then it keeps winning anyway so um i'm sure i'll get proven wrong but i'm gonna you know stubbornly stick to my guns and say that that's that that's my thoughts and how about you mr positive <laughs> that's a eunuch <laughs> Nick is just silent here. Uh, all right. Well, we'll take that as uh, everything sucks and nothing is good. We'll just uh, we'll, that is a, a that's a bumper sticker by Nick Butcher for sure. Uh, Nick's in screensaver mode, but it's okay. We'll we'll we can surmise. Uh, let's let's just uh, let's cruise through. Last thing is the meme. Uh, the meme of Matt Rogers, which uh, I, I have to say, I have to say. This is a this is pure immortalization, Matt, and this is this goes beyond. It's not how I would be immortalized. <laughs> no, probably not. You, you, it looks like you're. It, it honestly looks like you're attending uh, a Nick Butcher seminar about flesh and blood, where uh, all the negativity is just piercing through your skull and into your soul. Ultimately, now there's two ways to be immortalized by memes. There's the Fino Black way, which is you do it yourself and you force it a million for for ten consecutive weeks about a tunic trigger. The other is the community does it for you, and and you're immortalized this way. These are great. I can you just walk us through the like what snapshot in time this is from? Uh, I have no idea. So um, it seems to have been after a match or something. I was sitting there just thinking. I guess I have a I have a resting sad face with thinking or something. Like I was deep in the tank thinking about something. Maybe I I don't know. Trying to trying to decide how I'm going to explain this thing to Tarek that he's not going to understand. So um, and uh, yes, yeah, somebody I guess snuck up and took a, took a photo of me, and then that photo became a became a bit of a thing for people to to, to put pokes in front of me but it was good like uh i think some of the memes I, I i did crack up i did find very hilarious so um there was there was there was some good ones so uh, overall yeah i'm i'm happy to be laughed at a little bit here and there yeah it's 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 good and it's like again it, it was all done in good fun people love you matt so uh these are all and more my favorite one is the simpsons one that's just me uh, yes. uh <laughs> there's no fire escapes in this gay bar <laughs> You're just sitting there with like your hands on the table. It's just so good. Uh, all right. Uh, we've got one more segment. It's called Go Again. Uh, so we will be right back in shortly after these messages from BCW Supplies. 
Instant Speed is proudly supported by BCW Supplies. If you need protection for your cards, be it sleeves, deck boxes, storage, organizational tools, or hey, are you a comic book collector, a coin collector? BCW Supplies has your hookup. Use the code ISP10. Get 10% off all of your orders. Go to bcwsupplies.com. BCW, protect, store, display. All right, it's time to go again on a series of questions with Team Dragon Shield. That would be Tarek Patel, Matt Rogers, and Nick Butcher. Uh, again, rapid fire. You guys can either, you know, you guys can pass, decline, but one of you, you at least has to answer. You can all answer if you want. But here, let's, uh, let's start with number one. Who is the captain of Team Dragon Shield? Probably Matt. <laughs> that way, if any bad decisions are made, I can blame Matt. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Uh, this one coming from Sam George uh, at Stone the Crow on Twitter says, "Do either of you read? And if so, what are some of your favorite books? I would imagine that literacy is definitely in your repertoire, but uh, you know, reading for leisure is something that." You know, some people don't do much anymore. And but for you guys, is that something that's uh, that you enjoy? There you go. You're more passionate about reading. <laughs> uh, I used to read a ton of fantasy when I was younger. You know, the Dragonlance series and so forth. Uh, more recently, I read more. You know, not realism books, but you know, House of God was the more recent one that I read a couple months ago. That was really good. Um, and I try and kind of keep up with more realistic stuff now, so document or um, bibliographies and so forth. So I've kind of transitioned from like fantasy to like real world or uh, you know more practical application reading. But yeah, I'm a I'm a big passionate reader. Matt, you just uh, besides the memes, what else are you reading? Very chart Patel articles. <laughs> like, yeah, Facebook posts. Started reading tweets. <laughs> Nick, anything other than My Chemical Romance lyrics that you're reading, or is it just uh, what, what do you got going on? I like fantasy. I like the Scientology books and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I dig. I dig it. <laughs> Nick, Nick is like Nick is slowly becoming somebody that I need to have on the show every week as like a. I actually break because I need to keep character. I need to cut out the part where I actually laugh. <laughs> I I need like a I need to like a, a a segment where it's like okay let's cut to Nick for the BS meter and he just he just lays into somebody who's just spewing garbage. I would oh man I need a Nick, a Nick Butcher like button where he just appears and says no you're garbage you're trash you're wrong. Uh, all right, this one's from DM Armada. What are your favorite cookies? I'm, ta I'm taking it. The, the, I think I think this one's not close. I think anybody that, that doesn't agree that a warm chocolate chip, chip cookie is not the best cookie in the world is just incorrect. White macadamia nut for me. <laughs> I don't know. Cookies are all nice. <laughs> Equal opportunity cookie is. I like it. After uh, the podcast a couple a couple days ago, I think it was where uh, Matt messaged me. You messaged me and you said Oreos over chocolate chip cookies. What are you stupid? Like it, we had there was, a, there was some there was some honest venom in that message. Uh, but it was nice Oreos over warm chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, I, I, you're just Oreos wrong. not a cookie. Yeah. <laughs> what, is this, what is it? A sandwich? Like uh, what do you call it? No it's, idea. It's something. Uh, it's not a cookie. <laughs> All right, uh, this one from Fabled Academy. Will we see EU uh, Europeans dominate the finals of the PT in Lille again like it was in New Jersey? No. <laughs> That's it. I, I'm good with that. 
Um, I'm all right. We can just end it there. <laughs> That's the other bumper sticker. It's just no dash Nick Butcher. Question. Nick's my new my new fave. It's, it's sorry guys. Nick's my new favorite. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> uh, this one from Chris at Blue Plunder Run says, uh, "What's the current state of belittle minnowism package?" A month ago, some people were saying it needed to be banned or was about to be banned, but no one in the top eight CC decks from the Calling or Battle Hardened in Singapore ran it. Yeah, you're, you're part of this propaganda. You, you answer this one. <laughs> I actually really so I think Belittle Minimalism is one of the most interesting cards developed by by LSS. The power level on it I think can be high, but it comes at the cost of a very like deck a constricting deck restriction. So I think you know the turns that it creates are very good, but um, you pay for that power level in your deck building. And I actually hope that LSS prints like more interesting cards that has deck constraints but has a higher power ceiling. So that we can explore and adjust and tweak our decks with foreseeably, you know, weaker cards um, to get a, a greater sum benefit. Um, so I actually think it's fine for now. Uh, I think it was at its best in a deck like Chain that would just naturally run a bunch of three uh, attack cards, and then you can play them for free because you you banish them off Soul Shackle. But right now, I think it has a place in the metagame. I don't think it's completely exploitable and uh, i actually really like the combination of cards and i think it does some really interesting things uh, for the game all right this one's from me there's a flesh and blood movie somebody needs to play you in the movie you need to cast the other two who plays each of you in the flesh and blood movie now you can't cast yourself so tark you got to cast matt rogers and or nick uh, and so forth. So, who plays each other in the in the Flesh and Blood movie? Uh, Matt would play me. Yeah, I would play Dark. I was thinking like actual <laughs> actors and celebrities. Like, you know, Matt oh, Rogers Matt would Rogers. be played oh, by... Oh, okay. <laughs> no, sorry, sorry. Cal, Cal Penn would, would play me. <laughs> are, you, are you right? What, it's like... Are you, are you, what about uh, Nanjiani? Kamal Nanjiani? No. Okay. <laughs> I guess like you're you're if you if you want to get like the ethnicity correct like you're you're kind of running out it's, it's like then you go down the list and it's like okay Aziz Ansari and then what like and then are we are we just out <laughs> like I'm run out of brown actors yeah Kenny <laughs> <laughs> DeVito could be a good you oh, Jesus <laughs> Nick which one of the Hemsworth brothers is gonna play you <laughs> No Robert Pattinson would play me <laughs> yeah, I'm broody, broody, tall lanky white guy yeah I like it yeah. would play me Nick. Who's the guy that's from uh, Fantastic, Fantastic Beasts? No, Jesse Eisen, whatever. Oh, Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, the guy from the guy who played Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh man, I could uh, maybe I guess like oh, man, I had one in my head for Matt Rogers, and now it's completely gone. Uh, I don't know, Daniel Day Lewis, uh, because frankly, you need that you need the right character actor to a portray the enthusiastic very talkative and energetic matt rogers but also the brooding thinking at the table getting his picture taken like a paparazzi style <laughs> brooding matt rogers like we need somebody who has that kind of range but uh i think i think it's the or or like benedict cumberbatch i think that's pretty good as well that's just me uh okay some random scrub random dude named kale mccreeth uh sent in a question saying uh i'd like to know how they prepare for an expected meta uh for a big event 
When looking at the general meta, do they target key players and try to predict and build based off of what those players are likely to play? If so, are uh, who are some of those key players to watch in Lil? So, you know, preparing, are you are you guys like factoring in just individuals when you're preparing as well? And and if so, who are those people? Um, no, I don't I don't think so. I I think it would be very wrong to just like hone in on a couple of people at an event that big. I mean, uh, yeah, like there's, there, there's just too many, too many teams and individuals and talented people and stuff from all around the world. It's hard and nobody knows exactly what people are going to do. Like, you know, um, different teams are going to come up with different things. So I think, I think, yeah, I think you'd be, you know, kind of failing yourself to spend time and effort trying to guess what people are playing and then, you know, build, uh, you know, strategize your plan around that because you're only going to play against, you know, what, 12 people out of 300 or something. So it's just, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't think that's a winning strategy. That sounds a lot to me like you three are the ones that people should be paying attention to, that you guys are the pinnacle of the mountain when it comes to flesh and blood competitive play. So uh, maybe that's what it is. Plus, who knows? Maybe Kale's just trying to figure out, you know, get some advice that you might be hiding behind a Patreon or something. It's like, really? All right, then. This is a free way in to some significant information. Uh Finally, and this he's one's... trying to bait us to say, yeah, I think Kale is going to be playing Bravo, so we should like hear about that. <laughs> Everybody, pay attention to Kale's Bravo. That's my number one favorite to win the tournament, though. Oh so uh, yeah, you picked that, that right? You put that on an article, and I do believe that. You know, I do think Bravo's well positioned, and Kale is the Bravo master. So if there's any time to shine, it's now. So, you know, uh, <laughs> shout out to him. Let's see what he can do. I'm trying to see who picked Kale. Uh, in the uh, Logan Logan Peterson of the Flesh and Pod podcast, picked Kale in round one to win the the Pro Tour. So, some good uh, good mojo there. Last one. This is from me, and it's uh, what is the ultimate flex you can do when playing on camera? Crack and bubble it, on the sideboard. <laughs> I suppose, but I mean that people will you can people will dig that up based on deck lists that are submitted you're on camera you're at the feature table like what's the like matt rogers uh, a couple weeks ago mentioned that slamming down a perfect 10 gem mint frostbite token graded when, when you swing with winter's whale i feel is like that is an ultimate flex what would what would be your ultimate <laughs> yeah just slab it over there like p pull it out of a briefcase that's handcuffed to your wrist and then just put it on the table what to you is that ultimate flex you know, I'm not a showboaty kind of guy, so I've never really thought about it. Yeah. There <laughs> <laughs> you go. <laughs> I was going to say, I winked at a camera once while on feature match when I was swinging for lethal, but I think that's about as far as it goes. Sitting there stone-faced like this. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty cheeky move, though. That's like a Patrick Waugh kind of I gotcha kind of move there. Nick, you, you must have something up your sleeve. <laughs> Winning. <laughs> I guess that's an ultimate flex. And then in the in the post game interview, you can just crap all over everybody in the the most Nick I'm Butcher. Definitely not, I'm definitely not allowed to talk on an official LSS. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that has been uh, our Pro Tour Roundup uh, pregame show. I suppose you can call it uh, with Team Dragon Shield again. These are three names that you absolutely want to keep uh, a finger on in terms of uh, the pulse of the game and, and the competitive scene. Tarek Patel, U.S. national champion, multiple calling winner, uh, Matt Rogers, uh, former world number one, as well as Nick Butcher, man. Uh, this is just a murderer's row of excellent players. We are all going to be tuned in 
very adeptly to see what you guys are doing. Any parting shots or, or sort of uh, shoutables uh, before we, we sort of cut the cord here? Um, not too much. I just want to say thank you to everybody watching and supporting us. Um, you know, if you like our stuff, you can follow me on Channel Fireball where I write articles. I just dropped what I believe to be a pretty comprehensive, thorough metagame guide as well as cyborg guide for Viscerai uh, for the upcoming Pro Tour. Um, otherwise, you can follow me at Tark Patel 10 on Twitter. And uh, love you all. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah, just um, thank everybody for the support of Team Dragon Shield. It's been really cool that we've been able to uh, kind of build a team uh, around around this thing and, and uh, represent a, a brand that we all love as well um, uh, to, you know, effectively do do the kind of pro team thing in this game. And uh, people have really, uh, really gotten behind us in that. So thank, thanks to everybody for the support there. My man, Nick. What am I just? What am I? What am I? What am I saying? That's it. That was perfect. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's excellent. I like how Tarek, Tarek's like, "Thank you so much. I love you." Matt's like, "Hey, the support's been great and awesome." And Nick's just like. What are we talking about? What's going on? <laughs> I love you guys, all three of you. I can't wait to see you guys in France. It's going to be a good time. And uh, true story, Friday, Friday is karaoke night. Um, and I'm looking specifically at you, Matt Rogers, because you said it's going down. So Friday, lock it in. You all three are, are definitely welcome to join. So just uh, I'll give you the details, but we'll, uh, that's what's going down. All right, friends. Thank you so much for listening to the Instant Speed Podcast and to our sponsors at BCW Supplies and Kayfabe Cards. Dot com and uh, all our patrons who are just awesome people. Thank you so much. Don't forget you're not losing if you're learning. We'll catch you next time on Instant Speed. Whoa.